Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG! We are an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition livestreamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-orientalist world. I am your Game Master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Okahaye, an Osmar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they-she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they-them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. As a heads up, this podcast is stitched together from the video of our Twitch streams. I promise the audio quality improves as we upgrade our gear, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this campaign. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include descriptions of food, climate disaster, apocalyptic events, a refugee crisis, family trauma, death of loved ones, terminal illness, coughing noises, and memory loss. Arc 2, Episode 1 Gut Yowled Death Gods From I Have Wasted My Life in the Malevolent Volume by Justin Philip Reed It's been 99 days since the world ended, and you're still not used to waking up without a sun. People can adapt to anything, Dr. Eluso told the four of you before you left. Heartbreak, death, exile. But the cataclysm is different. The short, pale days with its gray skies threatening disaster. The long, savage nights. The silence of the gods. The monsters roaming and ripping and rending. Still, you survive. Because you have to. Because there is no other option. Squeak! The grung merchant, who is as round as she is tall, drives the covered wagon the four of you sit in, pulled along by four strong hippopotamuses. Although the badlands of northern Talmud are red and arid and dry, Squeak had explained that she had business in the frigid swamps of the court, and it made little sense to bring horses, zebras, or other such ungulates into such waterlogged territory. Hence, the hippos. I would have only had to bring two hippos if it weren't for the cargo, she'd added, casting a critical eye over Manaya's seven-and-a-half-foot-tall frame. Three days ago, the four of you returned to Dr. Aluso's homestead on the edge of the vast Euclid chasm after enjoying a week-long vacation at the Kuvi hot springs in the frigid commune of Morose. You stayed at Dr. Aluso's for a few days, received your next startling mission, and are now a day deep into your journey into the secluded and dignified Court of Ravens. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V. The day is Ox-19. It is eight in the evening, and the light is dimming. 
the crimson rock of the Badlands are losing their glow. What are the four of you doing in the back of Squeak's wagon? V is, she's wrapped up in her chrysalis robes, still very much sort of, you know, trying to rock those new garments of hers. You know, when all of this started, she was very boisterous and very visible. She's kind of almost sulking in the corner and really, like, seems very withdrawn from the group. Even as conversation is happening, she keeps her head down enough that you can never see, like, her face at this point uh, to see if she's, like, looking at the conversation or even, like, paying attention whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, V, you've sort of drawn into yourself. What emotions are roiling through you? Since she's heard the information from the twins at the hot springs about magic being very finite at this point, um, she is very, she's worried. She doesn't know if her powers, when she may lose her powers, that it, like any spell could possibly be it for her. So she is between her skills with her tongue and her skills with magic. That's like all she has. So she's like, she's kind of freaked out a bit and she's trying to figure out what her next course of action will be to, like, you know, not be defenseless, essentially. Without magic, V, you're just a liar. Just yes. a liar. Yep. Uh, so you're thinking about that, swaddled up in your green chrysalis robes in the back, looking, casting your emerald green gaze out at the rest of your party. What are the rest of you doing? Dewey is... He was trying to read some of the books that he borrowed from the um, library okay. uh, back in Tama, in Dabathati, and it's gotten a little bit dark, so he would have asked V for, like, uh, some light, but he's like, oh, wait, you know, magic, finite thing. So he's kind of doing, like, a, he's talking his way through, like, putting together a little book light. Um, <laughs> no one in particular. Kind of just doing, like, a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't know if anyone's paying attention, but that's what he's doing. I think Oka is paying attention. I think they're maybe like sitting on the back of the cart with their feet dangling over the edge, like rolling a cigarette, but their ear is like, they're like kind of like watching over their shoulder, you know, at whatever Dewey's doing. Mostly because I think they want to get, they also want to take a look at those books eventually. But for now, they're just content watching Dewey make a light because they're interested in seeing what that possibly could look like. Okay. And you, Manaya? Manaya has some personal stake in going to the court, and so she's very worried and very anxious to get there. So more than anything, she's looking forward, trying to, as much as she is dreading, to start seeing the court start to peer over the horizon. Okay. Yeah, so Oka, you're peering at Dewey. Dewey, what contraption are you building? It's just like a little, little bulb at the end. Uh, and it's got like a joint so you can bend it and you can clip it onto the cover of your book. And it's basically powered by, uh, not like batteries, but like a sort of rudimentary battery powered by like a, some chemical reactions. Okay, yeah. So you're like putting all these components together, trying to make yourself a nightlight basically, or some sort of like reading light. Uh, v, you're sitting there sulking, thinking fear and, and trepidation roiling through you. And the four of you, Think back to Dr. Oluso's words as you're sitting here in this cart. Uh, and we sort of flash back now on the four of your faces now sitting on a couch in Dr. Oluso's homestead. 
facing this young person in their armchair. Dr. Lusso, if you're new here, uh, is a human with sort of shaved blonde hair, shaved on the sides, always wearing sort of like kind of a greasy, dirty lab coat and described as the most handsome or the most beautiful person you've ever seen. They're gender fluid, so they use pronouns like they, he, and she. They're sitting there looking at the four of you after you've returned from the hot springs and after you've told them what you've learned from Agwun and Adaria uh, about the nature of magic now. So who was the one who broke that news? Oka might have done it. Okay. Oka, what did you say to them? Well, I don't know if you know this um, on your map, Doctor, but uh, what do you know about magic being finite? Finite? Like, eventually there's not going to be any more magic. Well, it is one of the many theories I've dedicated my life to researching about how Endake works. Uh, the idea that magic is finite, though, that is not a theory I've ever really encountered. Uh, different people think magic comes from different places. Clerics get a lot of their powers from worshipping the gods, or rather their emissaries directly. Druids, you know, those who spend their days in nature, uh, get their magic from the raw, natural power that Andake herself exudes. Wizards, you know, are able to tap into the weave through incantations, ingredients, gestures, uh, knowledge. Uh, but the idea that magic might one day run out, I'm sorry, is quite a foreign one to me. Why, why are you bringing this up? Why do the four of you look so morose? Was, were the hot springs not, did they not live up to your expectations? The bath was great. But we met uh, two travelers and the emissary that protects the spring. It had run out of magic, and that's what it told us. I see. I wish I could say I was entirely surprised. But since you've been gone, and I didn't want to load all of this on you as soon as you came back from, Talma- from Dabathati, but I've been receiving word of catastrophes across Endake, not just limited to that rage the four of you helped to quell. Perhaps magic being limited is just another one of these catastrophes. It didn't seem limited to the commune, did it? No. These two travelers, I see. Well, I suppose this is actually a great opportunity for me to bring up the research I've been conducting on my end while the four of you have been predisposed let's say, and I wanted, you know, the four of you to get the chance to rest and recuperate before springing all of this on you. So, let's talk next steps. Is there any place in particular the four of you would want to go? The court. We'll go into the court. I understand, Manaya. They nod slowly and they say, well, actually I'll get to the court last. I've been hearing rumors of different anomalies across Endake, And until the four of you had returned to me, I had no idea why. There were eight specifically, but now I suppose I know. We know. It's likely because of these shreds of gods that have been severed from the beyond on Adolin that are causing these catastrophes, and it makes sense. After all, in the Republic of Talmud and Dabathati, it was the rage, correct? Vibrating, emanating out from Vinash, trapped in that tomb of the giants. Causing those miners to Doctor, attack each other. Doctor, Doctor, with all due respect, that was a, a difficult time for many of us, and I would rather move on from that conversation. Of course. My apologies. Uh, 
I simply wanted to <clears throat> uh, reiterate my theory, uh, but that was Vinash, or rather an aspect of Yudabahi that had been severed. That is now, uh, of course, inside our, our very own Oka. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later, I suppose. I've heard rumors about things happening in Jukai, the United Tribes. They call it the stagnation. Rivers are refusing to run. Rains are refusing to fall. Crops refuse to grow. Animals refuse to eat. The very order of nature itself in Jukai appears to have ground to a halt. And the great tribal lords have no idea how to make things move again. If what happened in Dabathati is true across all of Endake, it might stand to reason that a shard or a shred of Sen is wreaking havoc in Jukai. And Oka, given what Vinash said to you, perhaps it would be a good idea to go there after the court. Moving on to Morose. Did the four of you hear of anything happening outside of the hot springs running cold while you were there? Did we? I don't think so, actually. Togos, who was in charge, had made it pretty, pretty clear that uh, Shatak had guarded and protected the hot springs for a long time. So you get the sense that maybe Togos was a little shielded uh, from the rest of the disasters happening in Morose. Manaya chuckles a little bit. Well, the lake was still there and it was still frozen. <laughs> Nothing that bad could happen there. Good. No, no fissures? Nothing like that? Fissures? Everything stayed intact. The clothes, the cloths, the towels. Whether they call it the unspooling. Uh, what is woven in Morose is refusing to stay woven. Settlements, clothing is coming apart. Worse than that, there are rumors that beasts from a bygone age are returning from the ice, emerging from gigantic fissures cracking open on the lake. Uh, the fact that you didn't notice any of this is actually a good sign. Probably a lot of these occurrences are deeper within Zima. The hot springs Kuvi, of course, is on the edge of the lake. I wouldn't have sent, sent you in so deep. Aside from a rose, the championship is dealing with its own strange things as well. There's rumors of, now this is ridiculous, of a carnival hidden deep within the island, the, the jungles of, of Klathau Island. A carnival beckoning to curious and foolhardy adventurers, though, as they say, those who find it are never seen again. I don't know who's running this carnival, what its purpose is, but perhaps this might be the echo of Scott and Nectus at work here, beckoning their followers to come. Minaya, this next one, I... There's no immediate danger, but it is impending for Uhanahi. The kingdom, uh, there have been reports of a massive storm sighted off the coast of all three of Uhanahi's islands. Deep, deep south uh, in the Hima Sea, but inching closer with every passing day. The scope of the storm is, is never before seen. It threatens to devastate all life in its path. Some people are already fleeing, some are staying put. I think the queen is trying to figure out a way to stop it. But just like Jukai, perhaps Uhanahi might be your next stop. It's still, it's still on the horizon for now, but it will, it will arrive at civilization in a few weeks, if not more, perhaps. And of course, we can't forget Kirtal. Very strange occurrence, actually, uh, a herding, the herd is what the various Agons are calling it. A massive herd 
has been spotted north of the Erk River in the Ogumor River Valley, stampeding across the land, eating up all the grass, trampling over settlement. Animals that this massive herd pass appear to, I don't know, enter a trance or something and move to join the herd, making it grow in numbers and ferocity. The great Agons of Kirtal are hemorrhaging cattle every day. And needless to say, Toktoa, actually, she's trying to figure out... She's using this as, as an attempt to band all the clans together under her, her banner. This brings us, actually, to Tulong, the kingdom of Tulong. It's curious. I mean, aside from the court, this is the oddest and perhaps most troubling news I've heard, which is actually no news at all. As far as I can tell, Tulong is perfectly fine. They've actually begun to close their borders so that refugees can't go to them in this time of need. That's where my... I mean, I glances at Dewey. That's where our people would go to first. That's the closest port from Uhanahi. Why would they close their borders? As far as I understand, the Emperor's trying to look out for her own. A lot of people are getting displaced. A lot of bad things are happening. If, Uha- if too long is the only place spared, then of course, as, as this rumor grows, people are going to flock there. And as big and bountiful as Chulong's harvests are, I don't know if it can feed everyone. They could at least fucking try. You know, it's also, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not the science, I'm science, I do not understand big concepts, but if everywhere else is going to crap, I'm more suspicious of the place that seems just fine. Yes, it is rather odd. Especially if our theory is correct that these catastrophes are being caused by the echoes or the shards or the shreds, whatever you want to call them, of gods severed from their full selves in the beyond. Why? I don't understand. Why is too long fine? Anyway, that leaves one power left, which is the Court of Ravens. Uh, And at this, Dr. Luso's face sort of like goes a little dark. This other place that people have been flocking to, aside from too long, has been the court. Because, if the rumors are true, they say you cannot die in the court. People from the Republic, of course, its neighbors, and actually, especially the championship, have been trying to sail across the boundary waters to get there because no one wants to die, right? So if you're in the court, at least you won't be able to physically. But there's some fates worse than death. I agree. As odd and frankly blasphemous as this is, as a lot of priests and priestesses of the court might say, this is perhaps good news for you, Manaya. I mean, your parents are there. Maybe they're not in direct peril. Don't... don't give me hope. We're going to the court. That's it. Understood. And of course, if our research is correct, it might actually not be a bad idea for us to figure out a way to get people to the court if death, of course, evaporates the soul now. Now that our connection to the after has been severed, that might be a good place to put people. The last port I was at was Sulmanad, on the Boundary Waters... On the Tomajin side, my captain had reports of large pillars of water appearing in the sea. If people are going to the court, they'd better take the land bridge to the north, or they might get caught up in those. I agree. But it's much easier. Well, I, su- 
Again, I'm not entirely sure what the court has been doing to secure their borders or if they've been doing that at all. But if reports are to be believed, they're probably going to move soon about it. There are plenty of immigrants and refugees flocking to the court as well as to Toulon. Some, of course, are taking the land bridge. I wouldn't be surprised if your journey, especially as you near the end of the Badlands, becomes cramped. I'm sure others are trying to skip the traffic and go across the boundary waters because it would be faster to sail. Is your ship still in Solomonad, Manaya? It was heavily battered when I last saw it, but it's been, what, three months now? It should be repaired. Wow. But Lahahana said that repairs of the town, of the city, and the ship were in quick order, and, well, last I was there a few months ago, it looked like things were going apace. Though we shouldn't take a ship, a ship across the boundary waters of the oceans in this state. No. It's faster, but it's dangerous. Perilous, one might even say. So that's all the information I've collected while you've been gone. I believe tomorrow morning, then? As soon as you want. Yep. Looks like we're going to the court. And on that, we flash back to Squeak's wagon. And the grunting and the heaving of the hippos. As they're, like, eking their way. I don't know. I'm just trying trying to do some foley work here, y'all. As they're, like, heaving their big old hippo bodies uh, across, you know, like, dust and, like, red silt and sand is, like, sticking to the edges, you know, of of their skin as they're, like trudging across. It's slow, uh, but a lot faster than if you were on foot. And a lot, and pretty steady. Uh, the hippos are, are steady. And they can fight, which is something I don't think a horse can do, uh, which is another reason why Squeak wanted hippos. I think it would be a good idea for us to have some one-on-one, perhaps, relationship building scenes. Manaya, you are mm-hmm. the first, our first roller. So Manaya, why don't we pick an initiator? Dewey. Go for it. Roll a D100. Oh, 10. Okay, now roll it again for your second option. Nine. Okay, so your options, initiator, are troubling dreams or forced together. Let's go troubling dreams. Troubling dreams. Let's do it. Uh, So the four of you, along with Squeak, are able to find kind of like a butte, uh, the shadow of which... Squeak drives the four hippos toward, sets up camp. Squeak actually, you notice, brings out a pouch uh, full of some kind of powder, and she begins to, like, mutter and sprinkle it around the perimeter of your camp. Um, And when she's done forming, like, a circle, like a boom, kind of, like, similar to what Adaria casts, like a tiny hut, appears uh, of its own accord. And maybe at the four of your, like, surprised faces, she goes, What? I am a purveyor and seller of magical goods of the highest order. Of course I would have Tiny Hut in a pocket. Never doubted you for a moment. 200 gold if you want it. Uh, she, she puts the powder away. Uh, and the hippos are sort of sitting outside of, outside of the hut, grazing on various feed that Squeak is scattering on the ground, as well as clams, mussels, uh, hippo meat. No, not meats of other hippos, but meats for the hippos onto the ground. And the four of you are now inside this, like, impromptu hut in a pocket that Squeak has set up. Um, But now we focus on Dewey and Manaya. Dewey and Manaya, let's say the two of you are, like, rolling out your bedrolls. Where are Oka and V? Are they also in this hut? Uh, I think Oka's uh, hiking up the butte a little bit to try to get a better view. view. V, are you joining Oka? Um, I think... 
V is just gonna go off. She needs. She's gonna be emo alone time a lot right now. So she's gonna go wander off by herself. Okay. As you wander away from the hut, Squeak goes, "Careful, V. Come back to you in time for dinner." It's, Thank you, friend. I'll be right back. It's getting dark. Whatever. You get eaten. It's not my fault. Uh, as you wander away. And Oka, you clamber to the top of the butte as the sunless sky begins to dim. Like someone's just like fading a dimmer and everything is like sort of dimming at once. You're looking out at what you can gather in the Badlands. And now we go to Manaya and Dewey. Dewey, you start the scene. So... You've done a lot of sailing, right? Uh, no, I, I know that. I well, it's been a while, but... How... I guess you haven't sailed since... Well, whatever's going down um, out there has been going down, but... How... How dangerous do you think it is to be on the open water right now? Wuhan ships are built to weather the worst storms the Hema can offer, but large columns of water just appearing out of nowhere and no ship can stand toppling completely over unless never mind there's a situation in which they could I mean you worked at the URL you sorry I brought it up that's okay I wasn't too involved in their uh, vehicle movement research I just I just keep having dreams about uh, being Trying to trying to leave the island. Um, I mean, not not like me. Well, you know, I've uh, family back in Honey. I I assume you. Well, I don't know if you do. Um, I do, and I just keep thinking of what the doctor said about trying to flee Uhanahi right now. I don't know. I just can't be safe. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm used to traveling, but I'm used to surviving out there on my own. But you know, not. Not just regular people. Those they don't know much about sailing or survival. Before we left Moreau's, you mentioned you'd never had a holiday in your life, a vacation. Did you ever get to see your family when you were working at the URL? They didn't really think it didn't give us many days off, but um, you know, I also didn't really prioritize that. Um I don't know, I just didn't really realize how important it was to keep up with your family. You know, how jobs come and go. Um, but hopefully family doesn't. And now it's too late. So yeah, I don't really know what vacation is. Um, I don't have a better idea since our last break um, since the springs. Dewey, I'll I can't make any promises on when where we'll go next after the court, but Let's try to go go to Hanahi. Let's visit your family. Yeah. They probably miss you, and well, well, at least half of them do. But yeah, uh, I would love to. I do want to go check in. Um, hearing about your your family uh, brings up some stuff. It's not a big deal, but would be neat. When we go to Hanahi, we'll give you a proper vacation. We'll get you some time with your family, and we'll treat you to. Uh, some family traditions. My father used to make this. Uh, it was so weird. It was a coconut pie. You wouldn't think it was very good, but oh, it was the greatest thing. He made the best coconut frosting on top and it was filled with mango juice and we'll have a big family dinner. It'll be a proper vacation. No emissaries, no 
Well, magic, no, none of that. A little hard to escape emissaries nowadays with wow. this group, huh? Coconut pie. On, on the promise of coconut pie, the two of you hear maybe like some noise outside as Oka, as you're casting your gaze out over the dark, what are you looking for? I'm looking for motherfucking monsters is what I'm looking for. Make a perception check. Oh my god. Dirty 20. A dirty 20, okay. Uh, as you cast your gaze out, and you extend your senses, your ears, your like short kind of like almost like drow-like ears, twitch a little uh, as you hear in the distance the braying of beasts and monsters. And based on your knowledge as a monster hunter, these are not natural monsters that originated in Endake. These are sort of like the uh, kind of like screeching and yowling and shrieking in the distance. And you hear some screaming. Uh, but based on the distance, it is far too far away for your party to be able to make it there. Okay. Can I uh, use my hunter's bane to maybe like try to track where exactly it's coming from, just to get a pinpoint on where they are in relation to us? Sure. How does that work? Uh, I just get advantage on it. Oh, natural 20, 20, baby! Okay. What skill does that use? Wisdom. Wisdom. Let's say that's like another perception check then, uh, but you're looking for something in a specific. Uh, 22. 22. It is probably to your northwest. So in the direction you're traveling. Based on your high roll, it is probably a couple of miles away. Yeah, I think Oka starts clambering back down. Yep. And that is what Manaya, Dewey, the two of you hear like Oka's like feet skidding against the rock. And you know that your time alone is sort of coming to an end. But Oka, as you re-enter this like it's like magical, like powdered, like generated hut. V, where have you wandered off to? V wants to go to some place where she can't be seen. And then she's, she's like, you know what she's actually going to do? She's going to um, try to pretend to practice or like try to practice doing footwork for like sword play. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to be embarrassed. Okay. So you tuck Sure, you tuck yourself around the butte and you see like a secluded area, a little divot in the ground, surrounded by like some some cacti in the shade of a baobab tree, and you begin to practice swordplay. Uh, but as you do, V, uh, let's say, I don't know if you're very athletic at all, uh, it's not going too well. After just a few minutes, you start to run out of breath as you're sort of thrusting, you know, and like moving and twisting your body. And as you sort of stand there for a moment, a little like a thin sheen of sweat glittering against the green freckle of your skin, your breath heaving, for some reason, your mind flashes back. Uh-oh, it was Erica. <laughs> to your mother on her deathbed. What does Paya look like? Paya, at this point, she's an old elf. You know, in a way, she looks a lot like V, but more frail. You know, white hair. At this point, she's been sick for a while and is probably very frail, very, very thin, almost like bone-like. Doesn't have green eyes. That's probably the key difference. I would say they're just more of a... Mix like um, but on the ball on the edge between gray and blue, but yeah, the same like white hair, long but not in like the undercut shave, probably like in a braid mm-hmm. down her on the bed and stuff. Um, okay, less yeah. of a bed, more of a cot, uh, mm-hmm. because Paya raised you, V, kind of in like a cave. Uh, built into the side of the god spine, kind of just out of the purview of any lords 
uh, in the U- United Tribes of Jukai. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's sort of been your responsibility ever since you were a young girl to forage, to hunt, harvest, find food for you and your mother, learn how to wield the magic that she passed on to you to, to sustain yourselves. And she has sort of, like, forbidden you from making contact with anyone uh, in any of the tribes. And she's always been a little, like, domineering, but also, like, there's something about her that just... Well, let's do the scene, actually, and find out. So she's on this cot of, like, matted leaves and hay. There's, like, some berries, you know, like, maybe there's, like, a steaming mug of, like, hot water that uh, she's, like, sipping from. And she <coughs> she coughs. V, V, come, come here, my child. V walks over and, um, I guess, kneels beside the cot. Mm-hmm. She is an elf. She's young, you know, she's young. Uh, she's not doing well. Uh, mm. And she sort of like strokes the side of your face. You look just like your father, V. V is going to um, take a sharp breath in just like I just did. And mother, I, I don't know how much time you have, uh, but you know, and V's like literally struggling for words right now, for real. Um, mother, if we don't have much time left together, who's my father for real? You've these story. You've told me so many stories, and story after story. You're, I'm, I'm you're not an f- idiot, mother. Of course, you're not. No child of Tyron the White could ever be an idiot, V. You are the rightful (coughs) heir to the dragons. You must find him, V. You must find your father. Mother, we, we both know dragons. They don't exist. They haven't for longer than we've been alive. For either one of us have been alive. I... No, V. That's not true. I've... Your father loved me, V. He gave me you. He he loves you, V. I'm sure of it. If only he knew you were here. If only he knew you existed, V. I'm going to die, V. I'm going to die very soon. I want you to find him and take your place by his side. V's going to be quiet for a moment, and after thinking about it, and also swallowing some tears back, she's going to say, All right, Mother, in your dying wish, I'll go find him. Where can I find him? In the Godspine, in a fountain, of ice and water deep in the godspine. I... That's all I remember, V. He... He... took the memories of where he lived, of our home together, away from me, V. But I know deep down your father still loves me. Even though he left me, I know he still loves me. Mother, I... I've taken care of you for a very long time. And I have listened to you say a lot of things. 
and V is purposefully not going to call out her mother for a lot of things. She's going to choke it back down and just say, I love you, mother, very much. And when you cross to the court and to the beyond after, I'll pray for you to the gods that you arrive safely. Oh, my perfect child, my perfect, beautiful, God-touched child. Uh, and she strokes the side of your, like, her hand is still there, um, but it's beginning to, like, weaken against your face. You are my beautiful miracle. Find Tyron. Tell him who you are. I know he still loves me. He will love you too, V. He will love you. Um, and without saying I love you back, those are your mother's final words as her hand drops from your face and she dies. V's going to take a moment to sit in the silence, realize that her mother has finally passed. She's going to finally stand up after five, ten minutes, sometime. She's going to take a torch. She's going to say, Mother, despite all of your sicknesses, I do love you. I mean, she's going to light the cot on fire and just walk away and never see that cave again. How do you pass the rest of the night? Oka will come down and kind of converse with Squeak loud enough so that Manaya and Dewey uh, can hear them. I get the feeling that some monsters might have set up an ambush a little farther down the road. It's good that we're not traveling at night, but we should be alert for them in the morning. Oh, on our way? Do you think perhaps we should take a different route in the morning? It might be wise, but... They might move on in the night, but they're definitely along this route. Why don't you look for them again in the morning, and we'll decide what to do then. Okay. But we should be safe in this hut. I, I pride myself on having non-defective magical goods and consumables. Squeak would never doubt you. Ever. Although you might want to bring the, the hippos in. Yes, I, I would not want to lose oh, Bertha here. She sort of like pats the back of like an obsidian hi hippo. Says, all right, well, the four of you move over. Kipples are coming home. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we're sharing. Yes. Uh, I only have enough uh, tiny hut in the pocket to sustain us for the rest of the trip. I can't waste another one. Do we get enclosure for the hippos? Squeeze, squeeze. Don't mind, don't mind Ting. He likes to nibble. V comes back from being alone and, like, sees all this and just is like, I wish there was a hotel room. <laughs> and, like, tries to, like, get into the hut around the hippos. Yep. Uh, the hippos yeah. take well, up a lot of space. Yes, Manaya, go ahead. Yes, well, when we save the court, maybe they'll have a hotel room for us <laughs> as well. Uh, and as, so as soon as one of the hippos sets down, like, settles down, Manaya's gonna sit next to it and lean back against its back. It's, it's a gray hippo with like a big brown spot in the back, sort of looks at you with crusty eyes and starts nibbling on your on your arm. 
Mm-hmm. And I squints her eyes it, at it and then leans back and goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. Squeak says, I hope you don't mind if I have to baste them in water every now and then. I can't have their skin dry out. Squeak, I spent the better part of my life on the ocean. A little water won't, won't do much for me. Okay, good. And she reaches into that tiny pouch that's always strapped to her waist and she pulls out a disproportionately large jug. Uh, kind of like Talmud style. Has like uh, Yudabathi's head. Like likeness, all three heads carved into it. And she goes, flow! And like a torrent of water spills out and drenches the four hippos and splashes onto the four of you as well. Uh, Oga picks up their bedroll off the ground. (laughs) Seriously, you can't take them outside to do that. I don't want them to be killed. You are the one who told me I should bring them in. See that, Josh? I suppose, but don't try to take it from me, Dewey, or tamper with it. Here. And she hands it to you. It's a magical jug. Summon any amount of water. Just water? Or, uh, I've seen jugs that can summon... Fresh water, salt water, vinegar, ketchup. Mayonnaise? I suppose, but I don't know why you would want to. Mustard? All sorts of sauces. But no, I just, uh, I worked on one of these, uh, the technology behind one of these, uh, Oh, did you? You worked on one of these technology at the URL? Yeah, well, I'm using it. Did you get fired? Squeak, I... Throw it back at her. <laughs> Wait, that's what I thought. Uh, she puts it back in her pouch. I'm sorry, I just, I don't like sharing space with my hippos. As much as I like them, they're stinky. You suggested it. Technically, Oka suggested it, and I don't want to risk them dying. She clambers onto one of the backs of the hippos and sets down her bedroll on top of uh, on top of like all four of them. The four of you spend the night in cramped quarters. It smells disgusting. Uh, in the middle of the night, the you know one of the hippos like shifts and farts. You know it's it's like literally spending the night with cattle. It's not great. Uh, so the four of you are no worse. No worse than spending the night with Baba Day. Ooh. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> or Dalapathy. Uh, the four of you go to sleep, and you have the same dream. I don't even know if I have to describe it at this point. I need to take more notes, because I can only get like a fourth of it Do the it. way down. Okay, so it is the same dream that you have been encountering for the past whatever number of nights. I think probably every night. It is a dream of the eight of you atop a ruined battlefield. Your fallen comrades surround you, blood filling the trenches like rivers. In the middle of it all, a horrible, terrible monster. This stranger, a huge creature taller than the entire world, winged with eyes everywhere, threatens to kill you all. And the eight of you are doomed to fail. And that's when the four of you snap awake at the same time. It's eight in the morning. <sighs> I'm so fucking tired of that. Oka does try to grab for uh, their journal, though. Tired of what, Oka? Uh, I think their, their pen kind of like stills on the page. And then they flip. And then they flip, and then they flip, and then they flip. Battlefield. Blood. Battlefield. 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 Like, they're, like, going through days where they, like, written stuff down. Mm -hmm. Battlefield. Blood. Eight. 
No. Eight. Eight. Eight of us. Yeah. One, two, three, four, four. Well, if you count the hippos. hippos. Squeak. It's nine. <laughs> Doctor. Is Squeak awake? Uh, she is. Oh. Oh. She has a big snot bubble coming out of her nose. Yeah, I didn't dream for a long fucking time. Is this really what happens every night? You have to dream every night. God, I forgot that this is such it, You should be, but not the same dream every Mania Dewey I, and V, the vestiges of the dream are escaping from your eyes now that you're like waking up, but you I mean what Oka's describing is the dream that all of you woke up from and have been having for the past whatever number of days. I think Oka has assumed that them waking up yelling has woken everyone else up at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. And that this is just what dreaming's like. Oh, God, how long have you all been awake? Am I the... What what time is it? Am I the last one awake again? Sorry. Dewey, you check your watch. (laughs) But there's no time. Time marks on it. Not that kind of watch. V is going to be like, you know, it only used to take... I used to be able to only need four hours of sleep, and ever since... All these dreams started. I make. I feel so weird. Like sleeping eight hours. It feels so bizarre to me. My mother used to get that every once in a while. It, Kailani used to make this wonderful tea. Just get her right up, but she never passed on the recipe. Well, maybe we can ask when we get to. <clears throat> maybe we can ask when we get there. Can you four of you keep it down? Is it time for us to travel? Ugh. Ugh. Oh, what time is it? I see. Uh, and Squeak pulls out, like, look, squints at your watch and says, Oh, we all know that doesn't tell time, Cardu. Uh, and she pulls out, like, a little device. Uh, it looks like almost like a magic eight ball, and she shakes it. Ah! It's five past eight. We better get going. And she puts it back in her pouch. We should talk more about this later. Talk Maybe about what? Talk- the hippos? Yeah. Yes, of course. They... Seemed a little restless last night. Ah, yes. They're not used to being so close to people uh, for so long. We're going to have to find a safer way to shelter, or we'll just have to do this for the rest of the travel period. No, no, no. I think tonight was the only night that there will be monsters around, so... I don't know. I quite enjoy the sound of water. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So the four of you enter your morning routine a little shaken, a little rattled. Again, by the dream that the four of you have been waking up, the same dream, the same time, for the past, like, four weeks at this point, I think. You pack up your things, and you start heading out. Uh, Oka, before we head out, why don't you make uh, another perception check? Yeah, to see if the monsters are are still there, if you can sense them. Sixteen. Sixteen. You extend your senses, you don't really hear anything, you don't smell any gore or blood on the air or anything like that. You don't see any smoke, you don't see anything out of the ordinary. So you can probably surmise based on your sixteen that the danger has passed. Either the monsters have moved on, or they've had their fill of whatever violence (laughs) they were trying to wreak. Let's be cautious in case there's an ambush, but it doesn't look like anything's wrong. Okay. They don't seem to... I'd be surprised if they set up an ambush, rather. They don't seem like uh, the planning sort. They're empty. They just crave violence. Oh, like my ex. Well, very well then. Come on, Ting. Come on, Bertha. Come on, Hyacinth. Come on, Cactus. I'm Yes, I'm naming the hippos. Uh, <laughs> squeak. Seems to be a pattern of exes, Harvey, when I winks. 
uh, the four of you set out, uh, the five of you, I suppose, with Squeak, set out again uh, on Squeak's wagon. Uh, and now, Dewey, since you were the last initiator, you become our next roller. V. Okay. What did you roll? 23. 23. Now roll again. 19. 19. Okay. Uh, your prompts are, for V, you choose after the fire or cooking together. I don't know where I'm going to go with after the fire, so I'm going to select that one. Okay, so you're going to initiate. So V and Dewey, tell me, uh, where do you want this, when and where do you want this scene to take place? In the middle of the night, how about like, uh, what about like waking up in the middle of the night from this said nightmare? Or maybe V accidentally does scorching ray on some shit. Okay, okay. Uh, I think V, it's that night you set up camp again in the Badlands, in the shade of a baobab tree. Squeak has reluctantly let the hippos out to graze. But she's like, I'm going to cast a spell on them to make sure if they're attacked, they'll know. And the four of you fall asleep while Squeak is casting the spell. And V, that same dream that all four of you, actually, I should say V, Oka, Dewey, Em, and I, the four of you, have the same dream again, this nightmare, blood, battlefield, the eight of you, the stranger, the wings, you know. How is it wearing on you, V? I think for V, in the feeling of, like, this defeat in the dream... Part of that, especially since the encounter with the twins, is this impending doom that, like, she's trying to do magic at this beast and cannot, that she's ran out of magic in the dream. Mm-hmm. And so, like, she's trying to cast, trying to cast, and maybe, like, wakes up and accidentally, like, actually casts. I think you, from your, your, your diamond glows and, like, just a huge ray of fire blasts out from your hand through the invisible veils of the tiny hut, and it sets the baobab tree on fire. Uh, And all four of you, I think, the smoke, the V, you jolt awake, you see the fire, and all four of you are, like, waking groggily. This is the first, I I think, one of the few times that you've woken up not exactly at the same time at 8 a.m. Squeak goes, Ah! Great gold tanker! Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. Oh, boy. Gosh! Get sand on it. Uh, And Squeak also pulls out that same jug as earlier and just like absolutely douses it in water. Uh, But V, you're awake, gasping. Maybe Oka, you're like grabbing sand, helping to like put out the fire. While this is happening, Dewey and V, the two of you have a moment where it's just the two of you in the hut while Manaya, Oka, and Squeak are trying to put out this fire. You're okay, right? I I didn't hit you with any flames, did I? Oh, that was you? I think so. I I was having that dream again, and I was trying so hard to, to cast magic in it, and I think I accidentally sl- slept cast magic. I, I, it, I wasn't trying. I, I've never done that before. Extremely worrying? I, I, you know, maybe just I've, I've had a lot on my mind lately. Uh, this whole not not having magic forever is kind of... Kind of making me a little stressed. Yeah, what are what what are your plans for when that inevitably inevitably runs out? Well, I know talking is one of my strong suits. I don't think uh, I kind of need the magic to back up some of the predicaments I get myself into. Do you know of any weapons that might be? I'm not very strong, but are what do you think? You're 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 smart. What? What do you think might be a good weapon of choice for a V? Dewey, for the first time in a long time, you hear a voice in your head. Upon this, go, Father? It's kind of muffled against the sheath. Father, did 
Doth mine ears deceive me? Does V want a weapon that can fight? Uh, like a like a knife or something, like a quarter. No, you know a, something a like a qu- quarter staff, maybe. Do you think a quarter staff would be a good weapon? Something that's not sharp. You no, know, no, you those use. fools are so dense. They're so blunt. No sense of something edge. you can get used to without uh hurting any. Do uh, you? It's kind of speaking oddly. Are, are you okay? You seem very <laughs> nervous. Suddenly. Father, let me help. Father, please. I, I've done Shut nothing up. for so long. Yeah, please. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, okay. I won't say anything more. Fine. I'm sorry. No, not, not, not you. I, uh... Are you okay, Dewey? I'm the one who just set the tree on fire, but I, for some reason, feel like you may, you may need some help. Uh, don't turn the tables on us, first of all. We all need help. Uh, this is this is fine. I'm fine. Something blunt, something non-sentient, something non, <laughs> nothing that's sharp. Non-sentient. Um, I'm not the I'm not the one to ask about this. I. Uh, are there a lot of late. weapons that are sentient? I was just thinking like a maybe a bow and arrow someplace where yes. I can be far away. <laughs> yes, love that. Uh, yes, bow and arrow. Um, look, I'm not the one to ask about this. Uh, it's late. I, yeah, maybe you should. I don't know. Magic, like, it's a little unpredictable, in my opinion. Um, I mean, yeah, I've used magic for a very long time it, with no troubles. I mean, yeah, once in a while I've gotten myself into some trouble, but most, you know, when you've used magic for over a hundred years, I think I have a little bit okay. of control over it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking for non-sentient bow and arrow. Okay. Good talk. Good talk, Dewey. <laughs> yep. So sort of on that, Dewey, as soon as you said shut up, your sore son sort of fell silent and said nothing else. Um, and V, you're like, that was weird. Uh, but you're, you're noting a way that perhaps you want to get some sort of ranged weapon for yourself. As like a, you know, plan B in case your magic runs out. So Manaya and Oka, along with Squeak, you managed to put out the baobab tree. The hippos are completely unaffected. They sort of just watched the fire go on with like mild curiosity. One of them pooped and that was it. Um, you spend the rest of your night, all four of you, in a dreamless slumber. And now, V, it's your turn to pick an initiator. Let's go with uh, Oka. Let's do it. So V, why don't you roll twice? First one is 98. Okay. And the second one is uh, 46. 46 can do. So your two options, Oka, are a ritual and a misplaced object. Let's go with a ritual. Sounds good. Shall we jump forward a week? Maybe to when it's starting to get a little bit greener. Sounds good. Uh, We jump forward a week to the point where you can see the court on the horizon. You can sort of see, like, the glittering that morning of the boundary waters to your, like, northwest. And you can sort of see, like, you know, the rest of the Badlands just, just like, just like buttes and, and, and canyons and divots and just red rock and silt to your right. And just a tiny little speck of greenery on the horizon, which is the court, the entrance to the court, to the, uh, uh, the Paluto Weald. So since your prompt is a ritual, Oka, let's say it's been a week. Sort of like the same thing has been happening every night. All four of you have the same dream again. That morning you wake up. Actually, 
if I may. Yeah. Uh, I think Oka will start keeping watch at night. Okay. Not sleeping when everyone else is sleeping, and they'll sleep in the wagon during the day. Okay. Or do their best to do that. Okay, sounds good. All of you sort of know to give Oka, like, kind of, like, the, the opportunity to rest in the wagon as it's sort of, like, trundling along. Uh, maybe as we're making camp for the night, you know, like, Oka's woken up a little while ago. Or, like, maybe right as everyone is about to go to sleep. So, yeah, you finish eating dinner, finish eating your rations, whatever. Squeak sets up that circle again. Hippos are out. Uh, Squeak likes the idea of you staying up because that means you get to watch the hippos as well. Um, so Squeak, Manaya, V, and Dewey are beginning to retire into the tent. What do you do? Hey, V. Yes, Oka? Oka kind of like jerks their head a little bit, like to ask V to come over to them. V cocks the head and then walks over. Looks like it uh, might storm a little bit later. Thunder, lightning, all that. Yeah, I guess uh, you're probably better adept at reading the weather than I am. I think it's clear. Well, actually, it's clear and gray. There are no clear storm clouds. Gray, just like every single day for months. Uh, listen, I... I think uh, I need your help with something. Uh, Oka like flexes their hand, their hand with the tattoo. I've been trying to uh, to get this to uh, turn on, I guess, uh, and I'm I'm struggling. All right, I've spent the last like three nights out here just shaking my arm, and since you're like the only one who really knows magic. Sure, I could take a look at it. And then V's, like, gonna, like, offer her hands to, like... She's gonna, like, put her hands on it and, like, try to, like, feel the weave if it's, like, working there. And did it... It didn't come with an instruction manual, no kind of book, no... Ravi said that I would know how to use it when I was ready. (laughs) You know, I, 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 I don't know too many... Blood hunters. Uh, it's not been a particular interest of mine, but um, isn't I've there seen like you... a, a ritual or something that I could do to, you know, well, make it go? I've, I've seen you many a time do some rituals with some blood. I don't know. Do you have to cut something? Do you have? Uh... I have an idea. Let's fight, and then maybe it'll work, right? So just Oka, like, gets up, you know, and they, like, kind of, like, step away from the group. They're like, all right, so just hit me with a spell. <laughs> he, like, stands up. Um, she's trying to... This is basically, um, like, how a ritual works, I'm pretty sure, right? These are having two conflicts. One is, like, having to use magic for something as, like, a play fight. And so she's, like, freaking out. <laughs> she's, like, having an existential crisis. She finally, like, reaches down, grabs a rock, and just, like, do something with this and, like, chucks it at, at Oka. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't hurt I wouldn't be upset if it accidentally hits Oka in the head okay. I think it hits Oka in the head yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry Oka oh my goodness I thought you were ready a trickle of blood comes from your temple but it's not red it's golden was that a magic rock you have a magic rock spell why are you bleeding gold I'm still doing this, and I'm going to try to see if I can activate my Crimson Ray. 
I think you do. Uh-huh. I'll take some damage from it, but... I, we, it's, it's a scene. We don't have to roll for it, necessarily. Uh, the blood, the gold shimmers. There's like a little glow. And then what does it look like when you activate your blood weapon? Uh, I think it, it like trickles down uh, their arm. The blood like trails to the top of the tattoo. Okay. Uh, and as it goes down, it seems to seep back into their skin. Okay. And then there, it's just like nothing, nothing. And then Oka goes, huh. And then, uh, like a, bl- like a, it almost has like another bone coming out of their body, uh, but it comes like from their elbow uh, and curves up on the outside of their hand, like a golden bone. It almost looks like, uh, but it is made of it's made of blood, basically. Yep, it rips out of your arm, like sort of like in the exact form that the tattoo was. Oh boy! All right. Okay. Did I help? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Okay, like swing, you know, like swings their hand a few times. <laughs> the balance is kind of off. I'm gonna have to, and they like start mumbling to themselves a little bit about like, like the weight of it, uh, and then they like squeeze their palm a little bit more, uh, and I think the blade shifts from like being on the outside of their arm to like, kind of the the top of their hand. I feel kind of like a magician, kind of like you, V. I mean, if I could do that, I'd be. I, that's one heck of a magic spell. <laughs> yeah, well, if I can't do it, just hit me with a rock, right? Use your magic rock spell. <laughs> Don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> Oka considers V again for, like, for another moment. I, I know you've been kind of worried, so don't tell anyone that I did this. Uh, and Oka's gonna, like, clap their hands together. Uh, I think maybe, like, letting that dissipate. And call on Vinash. What, uh, what are you trying to get Vinash to do? Give V some more magic. <laughs> kind of like the same thing where Oka was able to re- replenish the twins' magic. Whatever feeling that felt like, Oka's gonna try to do it again and extend a hand to V. Okay. Um, I think what this means is Vinash is powerful. You're rousing him again. So I will allow, basically what this means is I will allow Vinash to protect V from losing her magic. The next time V would lose magic, she won't, will be the blessing that Vinash will bestow upon V in exchange for you rolling a D8. A D8? It was a D6 last time. I know, it sucks. Okay. Oh, go. So, why did you do it? So because roll that D8. I, because of who I am as a person. Oh, it's, it's an, an eight. eight! Fuck! Oh. So you lose eight maximum hit points that cannot be recovered until you remove Vinash from your body. So know what your actual max HP is and your new max HP. Oh my fucking god, that hurt. Oh, Oka. So I think this is what it looks like when you, like, you clap your hands together. I'm down 14 hit points total. Yep. Uh, and V, you smell electricity uh, before the rest of your body senses it. Like your hair begins to like like rise, you know, on the back of your neck. Sort of like when you were approaching the shred of Vinash inside the Ujval mines. And you can sense the presence now like emanating out of Oka. Like, and like little bits of like red electricity begin sparking off Oka's skin. And Oka's, like, little, like, tiny hairs. Uh, Oka has, like, a shaved head, but, like, the hair is also 
raise and puff up, kind of, making Oka almost look kind of like a hedgehog. Um, and V, like, your hair begins to sort of stand on end as well. And Oka's entire skin, entire body begins to glow red. Electricity. And then a bolt, like, shoots out of Oka's chest and into you, V. And you stagger backward from the impact. Um, but it doesn't hurt. In fact, it's almost like warm electricity is now, like, zapping around you. And both of you hear Vinash's voice in your heads go, The blessing is bestowed. And then the voice dies down. <laughs> uh, Oka coughs. A little bit of blood comes out, because that was a lot of life that just got sucked out of them. That was like my level up didn't even matter. Ouch. Yeah, you might want to dump Vinash out of your body onto someone soon. And V is going to like feel this presence like now emanating inside of her, and she's like, oh god, we didn't have to do that. Uh, okay, like, wipes up their chin. Yeah, I know. Thank you. They kind of, like, roll their eyes a little bit, but they offer V a, like, side hug. Like, also, pat her on the back. Yeah, V is also a little bit like, I'm not used to this. Uh, <laughs> the side hug is mutual. Yeah. Oka pats V a little hard, you know, like, bah, bah. <laughs> On the back. Now let me watch over these hippos. The hippo guardian of all of Undake. <laughs> hippo guardian, okay. Uh, so I think we leave the scene there uh, with this blessing bestowed upon V, so perhaps I can assuage a little bit of your anxiety, Erica. So note that somewhere that you have this blessing from Vinash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So a few more days pass. You're nearing the end of your two weeks of travel. And at this point, like that little dot of greenery has grown bigger and bigger until it's basically shrouding the entire horizon. And to your left, you see like the glimmering of the boundary waters. And sort of to yourself, you see like more of the Badlands, but you sort of see where the Badlands begin to transform into more settled areas. Um, You're coming up on the court now. The hippos are like (laughs) sniffing the air. It seems like they can smell like the moisture like, coming up in the air. And they, you know, the next two days of travel, the final two days of travel are the hippos going sort of at breakneck speed for a hippo without, like, exhaustion. So it's just them, like, before they were like this, and now they're like, like, they're, like, going toward, they're they're excited to get into swampy environs. Sort of the same thing that happens every night yet again. Like, y'all have the same nightmare. Y'all wake up at the same time every morning at 8 a.m. Is this even when Oka's not sleeping with the rest of them? No. Okay, well, they haven't stopped doing that. Yep, so the only exception is Oka, but the rest of you, the three of you, do the same thing. Oka, why don't you do your thing? Why don't you roll? Haha. <laughs> uh, 35 and 13. Manaya, your two options are a misunderstanding and a secret comes to light. I'm gonna choose a secret comes to light. Sounds good. So it's the morning of, do you wait until you're coming up on the court or do you wake Oka up or do you catch Oka before they go to sleep? I think Oka will have asked to be woken when they were getting somewhat close. Cool. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have to sleep for that long tonight. Cool. So Manaya, when do you, when and how do you initiate? Hey, Oka. Mm-hmm. Did you see anything in the, in the boundary waters on your watches at night? Not that I can really tell. I mean, it's... Hard to tell a butte from a mountain, from a swamp tree cluster, from a pillar of water in the sky, but I haven't seen anything like that. But definitely less ships than I would expect from 
the boundary waters. Yes, I'm pretty sure Sulmanad's a relatively large fort there, but trade must have halted if slowed down or even halted. Wonder how the fish are doing. You're worried about the fish? I I mean, of course I'm worried about the people. Of course they're putting themselves in danger by going out in the water, but look, I've been a sailor for a long time. I've sailed every sea I've been to every country except Kirtal, landlocked, you know. And I've learned so much about the winds, the waters, the things that live inside, the things that live under the surface. And I've cared for the water for so long, but I've never been able to fish, all right? I, I, just, I just can't do it. Wait. I never catch anything. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Right, I, it's not for everyone. I'm... Oh, uh, Mania. Like with a pole and a net and stuff? You... I get the bait, I put it on the hook, I throw it in the water and nothing. All right? I can see that this has been weighing on you for quite some time. I'm nervous about getting going to the court. I'm, my parents disappeared in those waters. But distracting myself from what we're doing is just... It makes sense. It's all I can think of. Babatunde used to make fun of me. He would fish up a feast every night. We'd be going at three, four, ten, twenty knots. And he'd somehow still catch something. I can't say that I'm the most accomplished fisher ever, but I certainly know how to bait a hook. And do you, Manaya, you cast a rather imposing shadow. Have you ever considered crouching? (laughs) So the fish don't see your shadow in the water. People who are my stature, short, are good at fishing because the fish can't see our shadows. Well, I've only really fished from a ship, and the ships are generally so big that I didn't think my shadow would... Something to think, perhaps. <laughs> if we get the chance. I mean, we're going into a swamp. You have to catch a fish at least once. Right? Like, mathematically, it wouldn't make sense for you to not even catch a fish just once. We'll try. We'll try. Manaya, I I know that this isn't easy. You're walking toward the thing that scares you the most. But the fact that you're walking towards it is that same light that I've seen in you since the day we met. You are the bravest person that I've ever met in my life. So stick the fuck around, because I'm not letting you go just yet. Not without catching a fish first. <laughs> And sort of on that, the four of you arrive at the court. Just as Dr. Aluso had promised, there, this is where you begin to meet quite a few other travelers. Doesn't seem like there are a lot of other wagons, caravans, or people coming from the east, from the northeast, the Badlands, like the four of you. Rather, the majority of everyone else comes from a, a trade route, snaking from south to north, past the hump of the god spine from southern Talmud, sort of where Solomonad was uh, in episode one and two. And now as you're like approaching 
the political boundary that separates the court from Talmud. You see like other caravans, other wagons, like trains of people, not like actual like like choo-choo trains, but like trains of like caravan trains of people like processing forward. Uh, you see what appears to be maybe families on their like family mule that they've had for years with all their belongings, like all their things like on the back of a wagon. You also see like maybe like groups of like either companies or like other adventuring groups traveling together. You also see like, you know, lar- either extended families or maybe like um, relatives, uh, like business associates all traveling together, merchants as well, but is dominated just like in Dabathati, uh, the the normal people, the common folk, outnumber like merchants and nobles, like sort of like ten to one situation as you're traveling, and it begins to get noisier. People are talking amongst themselves. All folks are eager um, to get to the main checkpoint uh, from Talmud, separating the Republic of Talmud from the Court of Ravens, uh, and the four of you were able to get past Talmud to Moroz because there aren't any really formal borders that separate Moroz from the rest of the countries, but this is not so for the majority of the powers. There are usually formal checkpoints because they're moving from one citizenry to another, which is usually a big deal. So as the four of you begin to approach, you hit traffic. You hit sort of like similar to Dabathati, the gates of Dabathati, you hit like just a big old bunch of people. You see other hippos, Uh, you see, Horses, zebras, camels, uh, even like an elephant, like a small elephant carrying, you know, a a family. Uh, And you become stuck in traffic, Uh, even though like the court you see like in the distance, maybe like half a mile away. Uh, You see like swampy, like the tops of like swampy cypress trees of blowing willows. You can smell like the swamp. The hippos are eager, you know. Um, uh, Ting is like... Like nibbling at other people's like like ankles nearby, he really really wants to push through. But Squeak goes, whoa whoa hold, ugh, really? There's only more few more hours of light. Well, traffic's traffic. Though I wonder if uh, a big strong man couldn't barge our way through here once again. I yeah, actually I remember that going here. very very poorly. <laughs> Last time I did that, I did run into, I did burn down a building. We were in the desert. It was bound to happen someday. What does the rest of the group do? You, do you think I should try my luck? No. <laughs> v, I have this horrible image of you getting just run over by somebody's rhino in my mind. All of a sudden, V has this memory of like some alternate universe where she gets run over by a rhino. It's a nightmare. Yeah, just a nightmare. I mean, I could try to do something. <laughs> uh, no, no, V, I, I was joking. Let's wait this one out. As Manai says that, V was getting ready to use shocking grasp on the tail of the next animal. <laughs> Start like a, some type of stampede, maybe. I don't know. But uh, okay, nice says that she stops. All right, all right. Uh, the person dry, like riding, it's, it's a halfling woman on a big boar, let's say, a big wild, like a boar that she's tamed. And like, she turns around as you like move your hand away. She says, oh, can I help you? I was just petting this lovely posterior of this beautiful animal of yours, my friend. It is unbelievably gorgeous. Where do you get such creature? Oh my goodness, is it for sale? Oh my- uh, By the way, your eyes are very lovely. 
She sort of squints at you and like scratches like uh, her chin uh, and says, you weren't trying to cut in front of me, were you? I would never do that, but if you offered out of the kindness of your heart, I may uh, appreciate and I don't know, there may be some silver pieces in it for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? No amount of silver is worth not dying. So uh, I'm going to keep my place in line. Thank you very much. And she turns and looks at the rest of you and says, I'm remembering all of your faces. So if you try to cut me in line, I'm, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, even you, bird boy. <laughs> sort of sits back on her pig and her pig farts in your face, Steve. <laughs> well, that was a little bit rude. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like she didn't even try anything. And yet here we are. <laughs> You know, V, for someone so likable, you're actually quite unlikable. <laughs> I mean, did you want me to actually try? Come on, friend, I was barely trying. I could try harder if you want. Please, please don't. Uh, so the four of you decide to sort of maybe wait things out. It's starting to get darker and darker, and the line basically hasn't budged. You can sort of hear people starting, like, grousing around you. Like, oh, what's happening? Like, are we going to get stuck out here after dark? What about the monsters? Uh, people are like whispering and like starting to get worried around you. So, you know how, uh, Oka just kind of starts talking. You know how when you're hunting uh, an elephant, it protects the baby elephant by, uh, you know, cir circling around them? We should get all the carts together. That's a lot of carts to coordinate. I know someone very tall who is actually very likable. Or we could just sit here and like a little kebab waiting to get eaten down the line. Not great with words, so you'll have to give me a script. Oh, come on. You have heart that's better than any script. You don't want me to open up my mouth or give you my words, because my words will probably get us kicked by animal in front of us. Suppose I'll give it a try. You fall have to cover your ears, though. Oh, boy. My, let's just say ears on the sea produce a rather loud deckhand voice. And Manai's gonna get a stand up on top of the cart, and I'm not gonna, I don't know what exactly she would say, but she's basically going to say things along the lines of, we need to protect ourselves from the monsters, or it's getting dark, we should protect ourselves, use whatever you have as a barricade, carts or whatever, protect those who need protecting. Oka whispers up and is like, tell them to get into little pods, little circles. And, and Manai repeats that. And like her, her big, booming deckhand voice meant to carry over the crashing waves and thunderous storms. It pierces the air. Uh, so Manai, you get up on the wagon and you cup your hands, you know, around your mouth and you shout these things and like a sort of hush falls around the gathered people like in, in the vicinity. People sort of look at each other. Um, and then like a, a, a gnome man calls up like, okay, well you heard the woman. Uh, and it's sort of like like clapping. People go, oh! And people start moving. People start like shuffling in like a big circle, like moving their carts, like in like a big, make, forming a perimeter and like putting their like valuables like on the other side of the cart. Uh, or they're like locking their wagons and like making sure they can't get taken and like moving the people to the inside perimeter. And other people start shouting, Does anyone, is everybody here like a spellcaster? Can anyone cast protective magic? It's like, oh, I'm a wizard. I can do that. You know, people are like starting to volunteer. Uh, their own abilities and powers to help each other out. See? It's been a while since Manai's been on a ship, but as things are starting to move, she's starting to like help coordinate people. 
Okay, yeah. So I think the four of you are actually helping, like you're helping get people like into the inside. You're like, there are like some spellcasters who are starting to like set up protective barriers around this huge perimeter of people who are stuck outside the court, basically waiting to get in. Um, so what about the rest of you, Manaya, as you're helping coordinate leadership efforts? How about the rest of you? Is there anybody who looks very well to do in this crowd? Yes, there are quite a, there's a few. Let's say there is a woman nearby, an elf woman. Uh, sort of dressed in like the robes, like colors of, of the Republic. Um, sort of like in these like big like, old like rings and has like necklaces and like earrings. She looks very dignified and she's accompanied by a retinue of what I can only describe as armed personal bodyguards. Um, and she has like one of the largest carts that she has kind of like reluctantly set up as part of the perimeter. Um, and she she's like instructing one of her servants, make sure you double lock the back, okay? My precious heirlooms are in there. Uh, you, set up watch over there. You, set up watch over there. I don't want any of these people taking my things. <laughs> You're making that awfully hard on me, <laughs> V, that's what you say, I'll let you think about it. Dewey, Oka? I mean, Oka's like helping people. It doesn't have to be one huge one. Like it could just be like kind of like tiny pods. Okay. You know, I think Oka's maybe like actually moving further from the group to like go down the line kind of of people and start trying to, you know, mm-hmm. to, like carry the messages, you know, down, you know, as they see like, uh, as like other people maybe see further down the line, us get into a circle, like Oka will like go down that way. And like try to help other people who haven't gotten the memo yet. Okay. So Oka, you sort of like be like, I'll be back. You peel off and you like start passing the word down the line. What about you, Dewey? Uh, I reach out for V uh, right before I see her eyeing someone out there <laughs> okay. and like what hold up just because this works last time mostly what what's your play here oh i just thought we could use some more resources so um i was just going to ask this woman here she seems like she's got plenty and i was wondering maybe she'd be willing to donate to the cause i mean after all we're going around saving the undock eh? why not would she be willing to donate to such a noble cause. Is is this just donating to us or like you specifically or like us getting into the place we're going? Friend, you know if if V has it, you have it. If you have it, V has That's it. It's not <laughs> one of those is true. Uh which one? It's like two liars and one dude tells the truth. Which one is the truth teller? I'll know which I'll... one it is. Uh okay, never mind. Go don't get arrested, do your thing. Sure. I shield my eyes. Okay. Uh, Dewey, you're like, all right, I'm gonna let V do what V wants to do. Dewey, as you sort of step away, uh, you feel someone tugging uh, on, on your shirt. Uh, you turn and you look down and you see sort of like a, a young human girl goes, hi, I'm sorry, excuse me, I just saw the wrench. Can you fix my dad's wagon? It's broken and we can't join everyone else. I'm scared we're gonna get lost out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I peel off and follow. Great. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It'll just be a moment. Uh, and she leads you away from your party. Uh, V, have you decided to steal this rich, rich lady's shit? Yeah, I think I'm going to, uh, disguise self into our good friend, Ronnie. Oh God, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, let's see. I think it depends on how, if I'm successful or not, how I want to play it, so... Can I roll sleight of hand? Oh, what are you trying to do? Are you trying... I'm just trying to steal some stuff from this woman. Uh, okay, I, you... You know, I, I, you I turn it to Ronnie, okay? 
Yep. What does Ronnie look like? Ronnie is a big, burly gentleman, big red beard, more portly, just seems very sturdy, a little dirty. He's, he's like, he's the type of guy you see in the in the tavern. <laughs> okay, Buy sounds good. for everyone. Sure, sure. Uh, you turn into Ronnie, and you're just going to try to sidle up to the back doors of this lavish wagon that have been locked and try to unlock it and get in? Yeah. Without anyone seeing? Try to play incognito now in case, but I've got some things planned. Okay, roll stealth, first of all, before you even pick the lock to see if anyone notices you getting up there. You um, became larger to be more stealthy. <laughs> that is an unnatural 20. You're looking around. You're pretty sure no one has seen you. Uh, so you look at the lo- you look at the back of the wagon. There are three locks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, how loud is it right now anyway? It's pretty loud. There's a bunch of people all around you. You know, you like glance and you see that like the, the lady is sort of like setting up a tent. You know, like her bodyguards and her servants are helping her set up, and she is nowhere to be seen, presumably inside the tent that's being set up. Presumably. Um, I guess I. Do I use knock? Do I not use knock? Uh, knock is loud! I will use. I'll try to pick the locks. Okay, roll sleight of hand. I will do. I will allow you to do one sleight of hand check for all three to see how successful it is. Auto crit? You're gonna use it? You're gonna use the auto crit? Let's fucking do it. Auto crit. Okay, Erica. V uses the auto crit. You, boom. You open the locks so quickly, uh, and the door the doors sort of squeak open on well greased hinges silently. And what greets you inside the wagon is crates and boxes and chests, as well as like hangers with like lavish robes and like la- like beautiful silks and whatnot. And you're just like, okay, great. And as V is sort of like at, at the edge of, of the open wagon, Dewey, uh, this human girl has sort of led you away from the crowd towards, sure enough, like a broken down wagon uh, that has sort of been like left behind as everyone's been pulling their wagons to form like a circle. And you hear like a voice beyond the wagon go, my, my love, are you back with someone who can help fix the wagon? Uh, yeah, yes, yes, Papa. Um, I'm sorry, what was your name again? Uh, Cardio. Cardi, it's so nice to meet you. Well, it's right over here. And she like leads you toward the wagon. You go around the back. You don't see anyone else. Like no father or anything like that. Uh, hello? The girl turns to face you. And out of her mouth is not this young girl's voice. It is the voice of the the Myriad. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And the Myriad says to you, Cardu, Cardu, Cardu. And as he speaks, like the form like sloughs off this girl's body and he elongates and turns into the dog-headed man, the hound-headed man that you know, dressed in a pressed suit. So, what have you learned about the stranger? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Transplaner. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. Music is by Connie Chong, CIS, and Fezlian Studios, used with permission. Audio mixing is done by Mike Graham. Give Mike a follow on Twitter at OMikeGram. That's O-H, Mike, M-I-K-E, Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M. Soundscape design this episode is by Vincent McElroy of Heroes in Progress. 
New podcast episodes drop every other Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Abigail Rytel, Azura, Brooke Bright, Cassidy Barnes, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Marvelous, Mitzi, Moonflower T, Purple Mouse, and Risa. <laughs>